Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Get Close with Mike Marbach podcast. I am the host, Mike Marbach. This show, uh, this episode, is coming to you live from the Philly Improv Theater Green Room. Um, and that means this is where the place where the performers get ready to do the shows, which we have here five days a week, Wednesday through Sunday. Wednesday nights are free uh, parking, uh, and Sunday night the shows are free. Uh, so that's two great incentives for you to come down. But we also have a lot of shows that are worth your money, such as Study Hall on Saturday, uh, September 27th, mixture of uh, actual lectures from college professors as well as improv that is inspired by those lectures. Uh, we have uh, Wednesday night Harold Knight, uh, one of our our guest here today. Our guest here today uh, is the director of one of those teams, Trash Island. We'll talk about her in a second. Uh, and uh, there's sketch, there's improv, there's stand-up, there's a whole bunch of different things, and the cool thing about this place is it's not just a place to see great comedy, you can learn as well. I'm the education director, so I talk about these things quite a bit. Uh, FIT is the largest uh, comedy training center in the area, and we train in improv, sketch, and stand-up. If you sign up for a 101 class in sketch or improv before October 3rd, you save $50 off the full enrollment cost, and you save uh, a lot of time by yourself at home because you get into shows for free at the theater and you will meet so many more new people uh, to add to your friend collection. Uh, so, yeah, that's all I have for the plug of the theater, which uh, brings you this podcast. So let's get to the guest. Uh, and my guest today is former classmate from St. Martin of Tours... Jessica Snow. Hello, Jess. Hello, little Mike Marbach. <laughs> yeah. You look the same as you did in 1985. Uh, especially now that I'm, I'm wearing glasses, too. Yeah. That probably adds to that. Yes. You always had your glasses then. Yeah. Um, I have multiple eye issues, which we won't get into. All right. Uh, <laughs> they don't really matter um, when it's just your voice, do they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the way these podcasts work is that I, I know you more than I know most of uh, the guests that I've had on. Like, I had Cambridge Footlights on the other day, and I didn't really do any research They're or anything. They're awesome. They were so good. So good. And the podcast w- with them was probably, and no offense to you mm-hmm. uh, or any others, but probably the most polite and soft-spoken Aww. to date. <laughs> they were they were nice. They're so yeah. proper. Yeah, very proper. <laughs> uh, so we'll start with uh, just... The, the the beginnings, the beginnings of Jess Snow. Uh, so what first got you interested in acting, in comedy? Because you do a lot of stuff. I do. Um, I did some weird plays in, in high school and things like that, even before high school. Uh, you may not have even known that we did Christmas plays at Simpson Playground sometimes. No, a bunch of soccer players <laughs> and basketball players um, would see a sign that someone's mom put up about doing a Christmas play. And I played some reindeer and Mrs. Claus and things at Simpson on the same courts where I played basketball and soccer. No, I did, I did not know that. <laughs> um, then... When I was a junior at Penn Charter in high school, um, we had a tradition that 
um, the seniors would leave a gift when they graduated. Mm. Um, some of them were physical benches and things at the school, and others were projects. And a girl named Rachel, who was a senior when I was a junior, decided she wanted to start an improv group. So she got in touch with comedy sports, um, one of the only games in town at the time. Yeah. This was 1996. Wow. Okay. And... Um, Kelly Jennings came, and she helped us start a group. We did comedy sports, uh, short form, competitive style. Um, I made some of the best friends ever there, like you always do in improv. <laughs> yeah. And um, I loved it. Uh, Rachel graduated, and we continued it on for quite a while. I don't think they're still doing comedy sports. They've at times had different sketch groups and things there. Um, but I did that in high school, and then I was um, in an intro to mass comm class at Cabrini College in 1998, and a guy named Paul Moser came in to speak about the Cavalier Attitudes, the improv group on campus there, okay. and um, I went to the audition where I met Matt Holmes and Mike Butler. Mike was already on the team, and Matt was in my class, and we both auditioned. And the rest of the Cabrini time is history. We changed the name a few times. <laughs> when Matt and I were in charge, um, it was called um, On the Spot. Uh, when Mike Butler was in charge, it was called Improvacons. <laughs> um, so we did... Uh, mostly short form, but Matt came to us, I think, when we were juniors, uh, very interested in trying a Herald. We almost played the Herald as if it was a short form game. We would do like an hour show, and at the end of it or somewhere in the middle, we would do like a 20-minute Herald, um, which we had no one helping us with. It was all what Matt and Mike and I learned from the Internet, and from going to minimal shows at, like, The Brick on South Street and Comedy Sports in Philly. Yeah. And um, that was awesome. Just and a, a, quick, a, quick, a quick aside uh, here. Uh, this is all about you. But uh, you brought up somebody who's been kind of instrumental. He's come up on the podcast a lot, Matt Holmes. Uh, a lot of people listening to this podcast might not know who Matt Holmes is, which is a travesty within itself. Um, <laughs> it is. <laughs> but I did notice that he has changed his Facebook name uh, from Rare Bird Show to Matt Holmes. Has he? he he's has, a real person he's a, now. He exists now. <laughs> uh, but Matt does a show, and it's now part of the Dynamite series here at Fit, is why I'm bringing it up. Another plug. Um, where he takes a audience member who has maybe either not seen an improv show or is not an improviser and then improvises a show with this person. Uh, you can see that here at the theater this Thursday night, uh, which would be uh, September 18th. 18th, yes, and the 19th at 7.30 p.m., so so check that out. Uh, but that's interesting that he that you all met around the same time, and Butler, too. Yeah. Uh, who's also involved with the with the theater. Yeah. He does page one. Yes. Which is cool. Uh, was Butler the same? Butler, Butler was even then? more Butler, Whoa, than, more Butler. than he is now. Oh, man. He was ridiculous Butler. Um, he had not yet 
uh, discovered Krav Maga. Okay. Um, he was skinnier even, and he was just as wonderful and crazy. Yeah. Um, we used to go to the Skidmore College Comedy Festival every year as um, the Cabrini team, and he got famous for some impressions and things. One year, he ended up being pimped out as Alf <laughs> and did a wonderful Alf impression. And so years to... later, we would go by uh, Skidmore, and people would be like, Alf! Uh, well, Butler, uh, I know he's listening. He listens to all of these, which is awesome. Uh, you and I will have to do a two-man Alf show. Because I do a killer willy. Yes! Oh, my God. What is it, Alf? <laughs> I asked you not to eat the cat, Alf. That uh, would be amazing. Yeah. So we'll have, get, we'll have to get that on its feet, maybe mm-hmm. at, a, at a wild card or something. Yeah. Uh, improvised Alf. A couple minutes in and we've birthed a new show. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That also should not happen. <laughs> but likely will at some point. <laughs> uh, well, that's cool that you, you knew those people. Uh I mean, that's the cool thing about improv in, in general. Like, when we were in school together, uh, and even even now, like, uh, during my day job, people wouldn't know that I do this sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but we kind of reconnected before I moved back. Uh, I was in Chicago at the time, uh, and I was kind of probing, thinking about moving back to yeah. Philly, and just kind of sending out emails and seeing, trying to find out what's what's happening. Uh, you told me about Fit. Um, yeah. And then I got in touch with, with Greg Mon. Uh, and Amy Rowe and a couple other people throughout the and Matt Holmes too um, I do remember I was asking like what kind of thing do people do for coaching uh, and he's like well you know uh, yeah. usually they'll buy you pizza yeah <laughs> so things have come yes. pretty far yeah even since I moved back in 2009 I've been able to see the, the changes that have happened in this scene but right now I like to talk about uh, well you know before we get to that what were some influences uh, that got you into improv uh, or comedy in general? Who did you like watching as far as stand-up or comedy shows or anything like that? Um, I watched all the sketch shows and everything that everyone says. I always I loved Stella and um, all the little sketch things I could find on strange channels. We had like the very basic, basic cable, so my mm-hmm. dad could watch hockey. And so I could find, like, a CTV sometimes. Um, But what I really loved, I memorized. I'm sorry I've lost them now. Probably. Sometimes little things come back, but I memorized everything Paula Poundstone ever said (laughs) when I was little. And I would go into my mom, like, washing dishes and do Paula. Yes. (laughs) I would wear my mom's jacket so I could look like Paula Poundstone. And I would do jokes at my mom while she washed dishes. And she would just break things laughing. Um, And I I remember a whole bit about being on a plane. Um, Like, hey, this this is the captain. People... People on the left side of the plane. Don't don't look too quickly. We don't want to make anyone on the right side of the plane jealous. But there is the coolest stuff out your window right now. And my mom would lose it. And I thought, this is the best. I need to make my mom laugh like that forever. Yeah. So mostly it's about making my mom laugh. Okay. I think, uh, that, <laughs> I mean, that's something that comes up with people is uh, making, making loved ones laugh. I mean, that's how pe- a lot of people get their... Their, their first performance experience mm. is, is family reunions and, and dinners and holiday uh, parties and things like that. 
Um, I know I would. Uh, yeah. That was probably the only place. Yeah. Uh, I was a shy, shy child. Um, and it wasn't until high school when I started, you know, not really giving a shit about what people thought uh, about <laughs> things. Uh, and then I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to do this talent show or I'm going to do this. And um, so, yeah, I think that's pretty, yeah. pretty normal to want to impress your parents. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so as far as the Philly comedy scene goes after college, um, you said it was Cabrini? Yeah. Uh, where did you go from there? Um, really, I went to a publishing company, and I decided that when I paid off my student loans, which still hasn't happened, (laughs) I would try to find out if I should act or do comedy or what was out there, but my parents instilled in me never be in debt. They never had credit cards. Mm. They, they thought that the moment I graduated, I needed to get out of debt, So I got a job, and I did very little performing for several years. And then I got an email from Matt Holmes, (laughs) (laughs) the star. Um, And he actually, it was an email to me, BJ Ellis, who is the executive director of the N Crowd now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Which I performed. Friend of the podcast, BJ Ellis, (laughs) who... um, who I have been uh, improvising with for almost 10 years now with the N crowd. Um, The email was to um, a a guy who is Canadian who disappeared from Philadelphia shortly after. Some people who've moved to New York and moved on and stuff. And Greg and BJ and I um, saying, hey, you guys should all meet. I know you, and you like improv, and why aren't you performing as much as you should and get together? So we had a few meetings um, at uh, Annenberg Hall at Penn, and we started rehearsing, trying to decide exactly what we were going to do, and then people started moving and going back to Canada and things, and... And, um, as people do. Yes, as people do. And BJ and I ended up um, going out for the N Crowd and starting to do that. And shortly after the N Crowd started, um, Greg and Mike McFarland showed up in an N Crowd show and said, we're starting a thing we're calling Industrial Improv, and we want you and you and you. <laughs> and they, they got... Um, Mike Connor and Brandon Libby and I out of the N crowd and some other crazies that they knew around town to start industrial improv. And there was this little glimmer in Greg's eye <laughs> that would eventually become Philly Improv Theater yeah. that he occasionally talked about when we were having our big dream sessions. Yeah. Uh, I've heard some things about the industrial days uh, <laughs> is there anything you can share maybe from the type of show that you put on to the type of before or after show you put on <laughs> oh industrial <laughs> we were so young um it was great fun and and they will always be 
among my best friends in the world. I just stayed up two extra hours when I really needed to go to bed a couple days ago because Mike McFarlane called at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> and said, well, I'm in Philadelphia. He lives in D.C. now and we have to hang out. And of course I did immediately because that's my industrial crew. Yeah. Um, we got together and Mike had... Uh, manila envelopes for us with uh, this is what a Harold looks like <laughs> this is my dream um, we this is going to it, we ended up with the name industrial because he had this um, kind of um, communist thing going where there was no leader and we were all choosing to be there and we would give what we had mm. and decide what was needed of each other um, we eventually, we did get some coaches in from New York and stuff, and we went to New York a couple times. Um, that's when we met Ari Vukitas, and uh, we had Billy Merritt coach us once mm -hmm. for a little while. And the, um, the It was reason, all going to New York then. Yeah, I was going to say, the reason yeah. for going to New York, I guess, is simply that there wasn't yeah, we didn't, much of anything in Philly. We didn't know who here. We did... Um, we were in contact a lot with Kelly Jennings because I knew her and different people mm -hmm. around town. When I actually, when I first graduated from Cabrini, uh, there was a group called Polly Wampus. <laughs> I've heard. Uh, yes. Was Kristen in this? Kristen was not. Kristen no. was in the Gurus of Guru Guffaw. Oh, yes. <laughs> they all had great names. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we were in contact with people from those old groups. But there wasn't anyone who was doing the Herald, and there wasn't anyone that we were like, they see our vision, and they yeah. see what we're trying to do. Um, but Greg was in contact a lot with people in New York and all mm -hmm. over the country, so he was like, I found a guy for us, and I think he's our guy. Yeah. And we would get people in to help us. Um, we also worked a lot with Rare Bird Show. Um, we had all, all of Rare Bird Show, Alexis, Simpson and Nathan Edmondson and Matt Holmes coach us at different times and help mm. us with like all of our group games are chaos yeah. and the little questions that everyone has at the beginning yeah. of the Herald. And Rare Bird Show with, uh, like you said, Matt, Alexis, and Nathan. Um, wasn't there somebody else in that also at some point? There was before I had ever seen them. Okay. Apparently that guy left pretty quickly. Okay. Uh, because that team... Uh, which uh, again, uh, the, the the turnover now is mm -hmm. just so much. Um, a lot of people probably don't know who they are because they haven't done sh regular yeah. shows in a while. But the, for a while, they were the kind of ambassadors, the ambassadors to uh, Philly Improv. So yeah. people they would they would visit festivals and get mm -hmm. to know people, and uh, they were I'd say kind of integral yeah, to uh, the building of this scene, and then allowing other people to see what improv in mm. Philly might develop into. Yeah. yeah. And tr other cities trusting that maybe <laughs> maybe we weren't just some weird little yeah, six-barrow. <laughs> um, yeah, they were extremely important to industrial and improv and just when we'd email people and we'd say, we've been working with Matt and Alexis. You know them. Yeah. Can you help us out? And they'd be like, sure, Matt's great. I love yeah. Alexis. These these podcasts, uh, I, I should label them uh, or asterisk them, some, some sort of system so that people, anybody who's interested in how Philly improv kind of grew up until yeah. about this point, 
uh, like talking to BJ, talking to Kristen, talking to uh, Nathan Edmondson. Yeah. Uh, I did one with Secret Pants recently, uh, and they've been around forever too. So you can kind of get a really great picture uh, when you listen to all of these and how everybody kind of connected mm-hmm. uh, and started working working uh, to, to build what we have here now. It's pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, as far as industrial goes, uh, you guys, did you or did you not wear jumpsuits? We wore jumpsuits. That was part of, of the way the proletariat. Um, they started as orange jumpsuits, okay. and then we needed some new ones, and we couldn't find the same shade of orange and such, so we ordered a whole new set that were red. Okay. So there are still orange and red jumpsuits floating around. I know that... Um, when we first moved, when Fit first moved into the Adrian, we had people catalog- cataloging all of the props and things. And they were like, what are these red <laughs> jumpsuits? <Yeah. laughs> Label it industrial jumpsuit and ask questions later. Um, yes, we wore jumpsuits. Um, it was funny, for a while I only did improv that had a uniform <laughs> because the end crowd wears all black. <laughs> And all the other little things that I ended up doing were in some sort of theme or genre or jumpsuits. (laughs) Uh, So what eventually, what was the course of industrial? Oh, industrial. We we were very big in the little state, we like to say. Um, Our first festivals and things that we went to were Rhode Island. We did the Salve Regina like college festival. Okay. Guys who were working there invited us back when Providence had its own festival. We went to Providence and Rhode Island a lot. We did a lot of other festivals. Um, we, It was the very beginning of FIT when uh, Greg would have shows upstairs at Fergie's Pub mm-hmm. for 7 to 40 people who were wishing that Fergie would finally give us a bartender up there, which he eventually did when we got closer to 40 people. Yeah. But they'd have to go downstairs to get drinks because we were not a band and he did not think we would draw so much as we did. But Fergie is a great supporter of the arts mm-hmm. and super involved in theater. And he was like, yeah, sure, he's starting something. We've got the upstairs space. So we did shows there with uh, groups that many people have never heard of. Thirteen Skirts uh, affected my life in a way. <laughs> I was I was improvising with Industrial, um, which had one other crazy woman on it for most of the time named Erin Weems. Um, and actually, a woman named Mara was on for a little bit as well. But it was mostly the dudes and me, um, Greg, Brandon, Mike, Mike and Mike, Connor and McFarland. And there was a team with Kelly Jennings and the first time I ever saw the goddess, Mar- the goddess Mary Carpenter. Oh my God. And, and, um, and Karen Getz and all these women. And I was just floored and I was like, where are my ladies at? I need a girl team. <laughs> um, we also had... Which you could say right now, too. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. sometimes, yeah. sometimes. Um, and there were just a crazy motley crew of the few and far between mm-hmm. teams that had nothing that pulled them together, nothing yeah. that um, 
ensured any progress or quality level and we just said yes you're doing it come and let's see and let's work together Mm -hmm. um Aaron Weems actually came from a team that McFarlane was on for a short time that Matt Nelson was on for a little bit um called (laughs) the ninjas (laughs) um which was before industrial before a lot of other things um they were doing like a pipeline format and they had a whole bunch of dudes too (laughs) um but we would have all those guys up on on the on the second floor at fergie's and we would do improv for an hour and a half and then we would drink and talk about the possibilities and talk about not moving to New York and trying to make something happen. Yeah. And make something happen here. Yeah. We had we had some great festival shows and great times and everyone was very busy. A bunch of us were still in the end crowd, which does weekly shows for almost ten years Mm -hmm. now. It gets exhausting. Yeah. Trying to get other jobs, getting better jobs, getting older and having other things to do. And then Mike moved um, to like Maryland and D.C., first New York and then Maryland and D.C. And Greg was busy figuring out how we're going to have Fit be a real live thing. And industrial was hard to keep up. Yeah. Um, the greatest improv show that I feel I've ever been a part of was amazing. I talk about it all the time. Um, People still ask me about it because they've heard about it from someone else. It was at, uh, it was a mini festival. It was even called, I think, the Delaware um, Mini Improv Festival. It was at the Opera House in Delaware. Okay. And... I believe that Rare Bird Show was like headlining. They had like an 11 o'clock slot, 11 p.m. And then, or, or like right before that. Mm-hmm. And then there was something else right after them. And then we were supposed to be the last group. Industrial would close it out. But we found out through a bunch of, um, older people who were running the opera house. Um, that we all had to be out of there at midnight and there was no way to change that and the show was over and everyone had to leave. Mm. So everyone looked at their watches and Industrial went on stage at like 11.55 (laughs) and we did like a competing monologues opening. We did our opening, and then Mike Connor walked up to the front of the stage and said, I'm sorry, but the man is kicking us out in his bright red jumpsuit. Um, We aren't allowed to be in the opera theater anymore. Um, So remember everything that just inspired these scenes, and please go out to the street where we will continue the show. They had a beautiful, lit, like, big marquee, like a fancy movie theater or opera house. And the audience stood under that, and we performed half kind of in the street and on the sidewalk, um, including 
uh, during a group game, a woman pulled up at the red light in front of the theater with her minivan and her windows open, and we started going through her bag in her passenger seat. She, she, we did it slowly sure. and respectfully. We said hello, and mm-hmm. and she, we we asked her if we could look around, and we eventually closed the set with the genius of Greg Mon uh, running around the corner. <laughs> of the whole building and showing up in an improvised minivan so that the rest of the group could get away from whatever chaos we had inflicted upon everything. He pulled up in in an improvised minivan that looked just like the minivan we had played with earlier. We all jumped in and he rode around the corner and we took off. It was the funnest. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, where does this uh, – have you been doing any acting uh, around this time as well? Around the time uh, – Yes. Actually, shows? it was a weird week. The first week of March of 2005. I um, remember it. Exactly. <laughs> I had – Yes. Yeah. It, the weather was similar <laughs> to September. <laughs> And um, I had an audition for a play called When Shakespeare's Ladies Meet at Plays and Players. And I had a job interview and I had my audition for the Phillies to be a fan stormer. And I had um, my audition for the end crowd. (laughs) In from like March third to twelfth, two thousand five. Uh, now you're still doing the end crowd. I am still doing the end crowd. I'm still, still doing the Phillies. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's all. That's that's when my life started. <laughs> yeah. So that was the first show, the, the first straight play that I did in Philly. I did one Shakespeare's Ladies Meet. I played Ophelia. It was Portia and Juliet. It it was kind of an imagine that all the women got together. And tried to let Juliet know that, like, you don't have to put all your eggs in one basket. And, like, don't end up dead in a river or something. Um, So once I did that show, I started um, auditioning more and doing more plays. Um, I've never had the steadiest um, acting work. And usually I'm just so busy with end crowd and other things. I've... Unfortunately, at that time, I did turn down a few things because they conflicted with End Crowd because I just thought it was too important to not miss that, Um, which now the End Crowd is much larger and well-structured and we can take time off to do whatever. But um, just before Trash Island started, I decided to take like two years off from auditioning or anything and see... Trash Island and Crowd's 10th anniversary year and all those things through without the distraction of auditioning and trying to learn monologues and update resumes. And my headshot is so old. Erin Pitts, <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> I know I've been bugging Trash Island to get their headshots. Get on I, the I, I need to um, update everything after... After Trash Island is the best thing that ever happened and such, yeah. I will I will get back we'll into get to that. We'll get to them in a second. <laughs> What's, uh, what got you into the end crowd? 
I saw a posting on the Theater Alliance that Ray Reese posted. He started the end crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, people always ask about the strange, strange name. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ray actually came from, and I really need BJ to correct me all the time on this stuff, but he was in some Midwest town or something. He's actually from um, New York, but he was somewhere else. And they had a group called the X Factor. And he had a dream when he got to Philly of having a group um, that had their own space. And they were the in crowd and they rented the space out to other groups at different times. But they had one night that was theirs and they were the in crowd. So um, after the X Factor being one letter, um, he decided to make it in crowd. And he posted auditions on the Theater Alliance site for improvisers. I actually saw the audition posting a little later than a lot of other people. So um, BJ and Mike Connor and Brandon Libby and all of those people I mentioned were at the first audition, and I didn't go until the second audition on March 12th. They had mm-hmm. two first round of auditions and then callbacks after that. Yeah, And it was just a random posting. Um, but it was for a short form, uh, comedy group that would hopefully perform every week, but might start doing, uh, once a month or something. We actually did end up starting, uh, once a week, um, on Fridays, like we've still been doing 10 years later. Um, so my audition was March 12th and our first show was April 22nd, 2005, so this April 22nd, wow. we will have a big old shoe somewhere. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Ray um, had a lot of really good um, like management and different things. And he started, he's a great leader. And he realized that BJ had this passion for keeping all the books, keeping everything in order, all of this. Mike was working already. He went to Oberlin and did a lot of sketch and was just this guy that was technically brilliant, had used all the cameras and could help build the stage and everything. And I had done a little bit more short form improv than he had. Mm -hmm. So he made me artistic director, BJ executive director, Mike production manager. And shortly after we got good at those roles, he decided to go back to school. (laughs) And eventually after a year, a a while of him in and out with different levels of of responsibility and availability, um, we took the group over so ray isn't involved anymore really he's still actually um we became an llc so that we could quickly get insurance because we're at the actors center and there are steps involved and um we really wanted to be official and it takes a long time to become a nonprofit. so um ray's still a part of that he's still like a member of the end crowd but We don't really see him anymore at all. And then he eventually started the A-List, <laughs> another letter group yeah. that performed at the Raven for a yeah. while and things. And then they had their own space for a bit. Yeah. Um, so we, I, I hope he'll come to the anniversary. I'm sure he will if he's around. Yeah. Uh, we still see him sometimes. But 
He gave us the greatest gift yeah. of the Still end crowd. Yes, we had our first Ten round years. of auditions the, that October in 2005, and that's when we got Kristen Cheer because mm-hmm. the gurus of Gaffaw were breaking up around that time. And Kristen Cheer, yes, improv producer <laughs> for the Philly Improv Theater, and now artistic director of Woo. the End Crowd. Uh, she's been doing that for a while. Yeah. Uh, how did she? Uh, how did that happen? Between was there somebody in between you two, or did it, did she? No, pick it, up after it you? was just uh, me to her. Um, we have. We haven't actually done it in a little while. We have what BJ calls the constitution for the end crowd of all the rules that we've decided on. And we're supposed to have a big meeting of everyone who's a member of the LLC every six months and decide if we need to vote on different people to do different jobs and things. And um, we haven't done it in a little while because everything's fitting in nicely. Um, But at some point, I was super busy, and Kristen was super into it, and we just passed it off. Um, And then at any point, if Kristen's over here at Fit producing improv and getting way too busy, it switches over to someone who has all the time and energy for planning all those rehearsals and It's a lot of work. Yeah. Making a set list is a lot different yeah. than um, just getting out there and doing mm-hmm. a slacker or something. Yeah. <laughs> and the end crowd has performing for, as you said, it'll be 10 years mm-hmm. uh, weekly on Fridays, sometimes two shows, right? Yeah. Uh, and a practice. On Tuesdays we rehearse. Is it a weekly practice? Yeah. It is. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. That is a lot. Uh, but there's been a decent amount of uh, turnover yes. within the the cast as well. Uh, do you think it's? Uh, I, I know that there is there was other issues which led to different people being involved or not involved. Um, but do you think part of it is just the the grind of it? Sure. <laughs> yeah. I think I, we never expect anyone to stay around as long as sure. Kristen, Mike, BJ, and I mm-hmm. have. Um, it's just get in here and give it what you can until you're burnt out. You have a better opportunity. You have to go somewhere. Um, we have a really nice balance right now, um, which has always kind of been the dream. And we've had at different times where we have a lot more players than we need to perform each week. So we have Brendan Norton and Josh Samors who are always getting theater gigs and Mm -hmm. Rob Cutler and, uh, Sarah Natel, they're always doing shows. Yeah. So that's fine because we have plenty of people. Mm-hmm. We usually have six or seven on stage on a Friday, but we did a birthday party for a guy's 29th birthday on nice. Saturday, an outside gig, and we had five people, which yeah. is fine. Sure. Um, so for the anniversary show, we'll take everyone who's available. Mm-hmm. So we might have a 14 person <laughs> show. Um, so I think when we do have that kind of structure, people last longer. Mm -hmm. Uh, There have been times when people just burn out and people get married and have babies and like switch their priorities all the time. What's that? It's only been 10 years. (laughs) Moving to Canada. (laughs) Move to Canada. (laughs) Uh, since the end crowd is still going, uh, I haven't been a show myself in a while, and I'm willing to bet 
that there are a lot of uh, maybe some fit students listening to this or people in Philadelphia in general that maybe haven't been there. Mm-hmm. First of all, you guys don't even need it. Uh, the shows sell out uh, pretty often. Pretty if much not always, every show. Yeah. Um, but uh, I highly encourage people to check it out. So what, uh, where and when? It's at the Actors Center at 3rd and Vine. It's 257 North 3rd Street. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a black box that's up the stairs in the back of the building. And it's $15 or $12 online at com. It's about a 90-minute show usually. It starts at 8 every Friday. And if there's anyone particular you want to see, like me mm-hmm. or BJ or... Uh, star of Trash Island, Jamie Glasheen, or anyone, you can uh, just get in contact with any of us, and we always know the schedule a couple months in advance. Um, but it's usually rotating like six or seven people cool. every Friday for freaking forever. Yeah, until the end of time. <laughs> yes. Cockroaches and the crowd <laughs> will outlive the apocalypse. Hopefully. Uh, okay. Uh, one project, uh, one project uh, that you did in between, uh, concurrent with the end crowd, uh, after Industrial, before Davinger, was Punchline, uh, which I directed <laughs> in the 2010, I think, Fringe uh, show. I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it happened. It happened. No, it was fun. It was yeah. super fun. Uh, also a great cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my first um, yeah. real... You were freshy fresh right yeah. off the train or yeah. plane or boat. Well, that, was, that was also a time, and it still kind of happens, where people come to town uh, from not Philly. It doesn't matter where, I think. Uh, and there's this kind of glow about them. Um, and I think that there was this, this glow. I had trained at IO Chicago. I performed on a Harold team. I trained at the Annoyance. Uh, a lot of the people that are visiting the town, I, you know, I, I know who they are, and I've trained with those people. Um, so I think that that meant a lot more to some people here. Everybody wanted in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, I was able to get opportunities pretty quickly, uh, which was fantastic mm-hmm. for me. Um, uh, and I've, I, I think I've done well with, with what, uh, was given Not to me, just guess. a flash in the pan, no. Mike Marvak. <laughs> uh, but the, the show was Punchline. Uh, and what it was, uh, who was on that cast? It was you, Kristen, mm-hmm. Greg Mon, Nathan Edmondson, uh, Sarah Cowdery, who has since oh, moved to Canada. Is she, is she, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's call it Canada. Yeah. Everyone goes to Canada. Yeah. Um, Dan Rich, mm-hmm. who I had gone to college with. Uh, who else was in that? Amy Rowe and the... Let's see if you can do it. How would you describe that show? (laughs) Um, We would tell a joke throughout the show. Um, We would get the punchline from the audience, and we would kind of living room style set ourselves up to, um, as a team, we already know this joke, and we're going to tell it Mm -hmm. for your viewing pleasure. Yeah. It was so fun. Yeah. Just kind it of like was a... just like an all-star team of fun, too. Like, I just love playing with, like, Tan Rich and yeah. little Kristen. And, yeah. Uh, uh, and there's the... so much silliness. 
the style of it um, was different for Philly uh, mm. then and now, I think, too. Uh, I mean, you have the Amy and Kristen show that does the more organic style, mm. but that's two people. Right. Whereas with this show, you had... It was so many people. You had eight people mm-hmm. uh, doing this more flowy, organic, goofy shit. And it wasn't just... An, and I one of the main points of doing the show uh, that I tried to get across to you guys was that imp- organic improv isn't it's just not that wind goofy blows. and stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just wind blows and drum yeah. beats and beating on the ground. <laughs> yeah. That's not organic improv. Mm. Uh, so, And I think this show did a, a good job of showing how fun really improvising from within the the context of of the show itself and not pre-planning anything and just really being inspired from moment to moment, uh, motion to motion. Um, And you guys did an awesome job with it. Um, That was really fun. Yeah, really, really fun show. I think I might have to do do another punchline. Revive punchline with all the new kids. Yeah, I think that would be something. I think it would be good because... There's nothing like it happening right now. There's some great people around now that would love to do something like that, yeah. but have no idea that that ever happened. Yeah. I think first I'd probably do a workshop mm-hmm. and just see if there's interest in that uh, and just like an organic thing and really improvising mm-hmm. organically. And first of all, explaining half the class would just be explaining what that means. Yeah. Uh, because people are like, I don't want to take this. I don't I don't want to be like... Yeah, I was about uh, to say, uh, hide the word organic real low in the description of the class Mm -hmm. and then make them realize that's what they're doing later. (laughs) Uh, So that was Punchline. Uh, And then what were you doing between, let's say, 2010 and the start of Davinger? Was there anything... Well, there was Crowd for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And probably maybe some acting. Yeah, I did a bunch of um, shows with Quince Productions. Um, a lot of, um, it's Philadelphia's premier gay theater company. And, um, I did a lot of like new plays there and older plays. Mm -hmm. Um, but like more like modern things, like maybe they were set in the eighties, but a lot of the plays that I had done before that were Shakespeare or period pieces. Um, so I did a lot of that. I also had a bunch of Troika teams. I was second to Kristen Shear. I have a ton of Troika almost wins and amazing teams that won yeah. their first round and decided to stick around a lot. So yeah. you make it to the championship round. I, mean, I make it to the championship round and then I lose uh, whenever I do Troika. Uh, well, I. What? Oh, you did. It was uh, the deconstructing. Deconstructing Steve. The first one I did, I think, was Brenda. Okay. Which was Liz, Scott, and Amy Rowe and I as Mm -hmm. 12-year-old girls at a sleepover party. We would interview the audience about, like, the people from their seventh grade class Mm -hmm. and stuff. And And we would... you lose to? Pony Coat. That was... um, Is that Kristen? That was Kristen and Ali Sewell and I think... Alexis mm-hmm. doing clowning crazy okay. stuff. They were mm-hmm. really great. Okay. Um, then there was Deconstructing Steve. 
um, with Rich and uh, Grimly, mm-hmm. and we that was super fun. Um, we were all the same character. They mm-hmm. both already had brown hair and glasses and yeah. were dudes. <laughs> so I wore a Superman wig and some <laughs> fake glasses, and we were kind of inside a guy's head and yeah. um, looking around in the inspirations for the scenes in his life. Yeah. Um, then... I thought that, yeah, I really liked that show uh, and the idea of it itself. Uh, we had a show similar um, uh, directed by, uh, in town, directed by Brian, uh, Rumble. Mm. Uh, I know yourself, which yeah. was similar to, to that sort of thing. I love uh, Rumble. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> um, which will lead us into the next thing in a, in a moment. Dab and Dab. And who did you? I don't. I can't quite remember. I don't remember who won that who one. You lost. I'm sure to. it was Kristen. <laughs> no, I can tell you no, exactly who it was. No, I know who it was. It was Pasiones, <laughs> the stupid Spanish <laughs> guys. <laughs> Made up. Made up of Andy Moskowitz, uh, Ralph Andracchio, and yours truly, Mike Marbeck. Uh Improvised telenovela, which we still do. That was a great we still, show. Too. We still do. And yeah. each time we do it, I feel guilty because I feel it's inappropriate. Uh-huh. Uh, I feel like it's kind of inappropriate. I mean, we don't, we don't do uh, stereotypical kind of accents. Yeah. The or anything. ones we, that we I the saw themes. were very yeah. much just like, yeah, like silly storylines yeah. that those shows we the, have. And... We play the themes yeah. over the stereotypes. Yeah. Uh, but each time I'm Andy like, does a funny voice <laughs> and you kind of go, what? <laughs> but it's never like yeah. awful stereotypes. It's just awful television. <laughs> uh, and then did you make it to the championship this year? You did, didn't you? Um, what was this year? This year was, <laughs> no, yeah. so much Troika, yeah. so little time. Oh, I think you did the, were you with Daryl? Oh yeah, this one was the session sessions. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, it was Tom Hannigan and Daryl Charles and I, and we decided to meet at O'Shea's and drink gin and tonics and figure out what to do. Sure. And it turned into um, like a therapy session. We were like, how about a therapy session? <laughs> um, we did those. Those rehearsals were so fun. Daryl and Tom. <laughs> <laughs> those guys are so funny. Yeah. And having that we did a couple where they were the couple and they're just so like honest and lovely and like not dudes that you would ever think were part of a gay couple or a gay couple together Mm -hmm. and they were so like perfectly lovely honest humans that it was so fun we would actually have the audience choose by picking a number which of us was the therapist Mm -hmm. and the other two people would be a couple in therapy and we would break out from the therapy session to see the scenes at home that caused them to get there or that came from advice the therapist gave them We've got to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, send messages to each other every once in a while. Like, yeah. when are we available for that again? Uh, you should pop it into a wild card or uh, get Kristen yeah. to book it in an indie slot or even a, a sideshow coming up at some point. Yeah. Uh, so there are many ways now. Mother Truckers has to get back in there, too. Sutaney, you're too busy. 
Yeah, get unbusy. <laughs> Free yourself up, Taney. Uh, but you mentioned a couple people. Let's just plug their things. Uh, mm-hmm. Tom Hannigan is in Outside Voices, which mm-hmm. you can check uh, out Saturdays at Fitz. Uh, and also, he's in Stay Dead, which I'm directing, which is an Ooh. improvised horror show. This would be my fourth, my fourth year directing an improvised horror show, uh, three years previously with Asteroid doing the B-movie. This one's a more updated um, adult uh, mm. version of that, although it'll still probably be more clean. A lot mm. of the things I do tend to be, I think. Um, so he's in that, and that will run at FIT in October. Uh, and Daryl Charles, one of the funniest human beings. Oh my gosh! Not just in Philadelphia, but that I know anywhere. Uh, and I don't see him do enough things. He's so funny. Uh, he does DTF here mm-hmm. at the theater. They just had one the other night, so the next one, look for that. I think it'll be the second or third Friday. Uh, I think the second Friday in, in October. October uh, with uh, Timory, uh, and she is a. Sex education, mm-hmm. sex therapist, something along those She's lines. Brilliant. Sex doctor, yeah. Of some kind. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Daryl Charles is just a funny human being. <laughs> just the funniest. Yeah. And they have guests uh, on the show, and they talk about things, and it's fantastic. So check out Daryl Charles in whatever he's in. He's also a stand-up, of course, and yeah. pretty damn good at it. Uh, so check him out, at, probably at Helium at some point as well. Um, uh, yeah, great. Um, so. Davinger. Yeah. Uh, how Davinger. did you come to be on Davinger? I auditioned with all the other people in those large fit auditions that are just getting larger and larger I all the time. <laughs> and I barely knew anyone, even in the callback. I barely knew Maggie, but I knew that I wanted to work with her. She had just started work moved from LA and started working with us and I thought she was awesome uh yeah Maggie's another one of those people that kind of moved to town with a a little bit of a glow yeah uh and kind of got involved with things pretty quickly um so she's directing this team you were saying even the callback like everyone there was so awesome um, I, I could start naming all these people and then be like, ha they didn't get cast. <laughs> but it was it was the funnest callback ever. We'll pretend that's a word. Funnest. Funnest sure. callback ever. And the only person I knew well there was Nick Mira, and I barely knew him. I'd seen Leo Callahan and all the things that he had come from another mainline Philadelphia school. So I knew he was very closely connected with Alexis and therefore Rare, Rare Bird Show. And I'd seen him around a lot. He just moved to Canada. But too. yeah, he just moved to Canada. Yeah. That jerk. <laughs> um, so everyone else i mean there were a few people i'd seen at a workshop or something and a few people i'd seen in a small show but most people i was just like who in the freaking world are you and where have you been all my life uh except for max because he had just been born (laughs) that's definitely true um but i i just was looking around making different configurations, like already being a director myself, going, that would be a great team, that would be a good, but I want to be on a team with them, but oh, what if she goes this way and makes a team that I wouldn't fit on with them? Everyone in the room could have made a great team, and now from directing myself, I know like 
all of the possibilities that existed in that room. And then Maggie made magic happen. And um, they were one of the best things that ever happened to me. I love them all forever. Yeah. Uh, Any kind of uh, great... There is... I don't know what exactly There's a party next door yeah. now. <laughs> uh, any stories from Davinger? Anything, uh, a great show that stands out, fun experience? Um, well, doing our um, 30 Heralds in 30 Days was super fun. Can you describe um, that quickly? We did. Uh, I keep <laughs> touching the table. Um, we Don't touch the table! We all emailed um, Maggie a bunch of ideas for different heralds that we'd like to try. Um, I sent like a Shakespeare herald, a silent herald, and different things. And she picked out a bunch. Um, we didn't do one every day. But we did a, a couple in one day, and then we had off for a couple of days. We would do some at rehearsal. We did some online. We did some through Google Messenger. <laughs> we did um, a bunch in our shows, counted, <laughs> because we were performing weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just tried new things. We did, we did different genres and a backwards herald and... Um, like we did a bad Harold. We tried to do the worst improv <laughs> we could possibly do. And of course it ended up really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it culminated, I believe, with the midnight Harold. We did a 6 a.m. Harold in a park by, by Max's house, um, which was tired yeah, and sure. had a few people walk by and stop for a few minutes, but no one really watching except for Maggie. Yeah. Um, and then we did a Midnight Herald on Nick Mira's roof deck, <laughs> which was super fun. And um, Tom Connors recorded it, and it looks beautiful with, like, the skyline behind it. And it was it was just, it was what made Davinger what it was. From one side of that month to the other, we, we figured out, like who we were if we did not own the herald which you never do but you make a dream for Mm -hmm. um we we owned our team we figured out how we all fit Mm -hmm. and it was so fun i it was all a big blur of just laughing and Mm -hmm emailing bits to each other. <laughs> uh, I think that's that's a good point because I think teams need to do that. Um, you guys doing the, the 30 days of Harold thing uh, and still doing your shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Asteroid doing... I mean, we made whatever we wanted to do. We were like, hey, let's do this. And we approached the team and we, we just we just did it. Well, not the team, Greg. Uh, at, at the time, yeah. uh, Greg and, was the team at yeah, the time. Yes. Now there's a real team, yeah. uh, and we you, you make things happen. Uh, and teams, I think, need to to do that as well. Um, it's only going to help. Yeah. Anytime you spend outside of that two hour practice and mm. that hour warm up slash show is going to help you. There's no way it can have a bad impact yeah. as long as you like the people that you're. Yeah. You're yeah. Um, uh, and there were some changes on Davinger uh, as far as coaching and, and casting. Um, what happened with the with the coach change? 
um, when uh, Nick took over. Yeah. Yeah. Maggie, Maggie left to do her projects and such. Mm-hmm. And we kind of just offered ideas of who we would like to have in. Mm-hmm. And the wonderful, amazing, crazy, circus, ridiculous genius mm-hmm. <laughs> of Nick Gillette. We were so fortunate for the perfect timing, like before his baby was born, Mm -hmm. after he finished uh, Pig Iron School, he came in, or at the end of Pig Iron, he came in and just fit in perfectly with um, understanding where we came from, but Mm -hmm. being like, this is what I can offer. What of it would you like? (laughs) And we all just worked together to Mm -hmm. decide what he could help us do. Um, And at that time, everyone just started falling in love with Canada and all different (laughs) Canadas and getting Canadian jobs and things. So we decided to get a plan for we can work toward doing this and then bow out gracefully instead of imploding. Yeah. Which was very sad, um, but yeah, and wonderful. I want to talk about a couple elements within those within those things, from the bow out to the can of the moves to <laughs> uh, the coaching changes. Um, you said Maggie had left to do her projects. I guess mm-hmm. that's just Figment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Maggie was starting Figment. So busy. Yeah. And um, trying to, she made it work for a very long time, but she had so many other obligations with Figment and. Um, so she just needed yeah, to focus on that. Yeah. Uh, how does that affect you guys? Uh, it was hard, but we knew it. We were so close with her already. Sure, We'd yeah. seen it coming forever, and right. we were hoping for that for her. Mm-hmm. We saw that that's what she needed to do, and we wanted it. And we thought, like, it's getting hard to do all of these things and we want figment to happen, Mm -hmm. but we don't want to just die right now. (laughs) Um, and she said, of course, like there are so many possibilities for what you can do without me. Um, how are we going to make this work? (laughs) Especially if Nick Gillette is one of the options. Yes. One of the most brilliant improvisers, performers in general in the city of Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. uh, and what's awesome about him, about this time, right here, right now, our time, our <laughs> time up here, um, is that you, he can now be seen doing many more things. Uh, I think he was just added to uh, what's going to be detention starting in October. Okay. Uh, and I think I think he might be in page one. Okay. I think he might be in that too. Uh, he also is teaching more, mm-hmm. but that pig iron thing, that kind of sidelined him for a while. Yeah. Uh, so getting the opportunity, the timing of that coming yeah. into Davinger, I think is pretty it's awesome. So lucky. How did that change the team? Because you had lost Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, are you able to say what the if there was an issue there? Or what was his? He was his deal? just getting very busy with work and everything, and. It was the timing of we're already changing, so why not just cut that right now? Um, I think if we had said, like, we're going to do a shorter amount of time, he might have stuck around a little bit, or if we had a big project to work toward. But um, he just 
was so busy with work and um, would have to get to everything at the last moment. Mm -hmm. And he was buying a house and just doing so much Mm -hmm. that... Um, and he knew also that other people were starting to leave and all, and it was just not going to be the same. So I think he just, he manned up and was like, I'm going to be the first one to make this exit. It's ending. Um, I don't think, I think he would have loved to see out the end, but he had to make money and focus on keeping his job if he's buying a house. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Stupid lies. Who else moved to Canada before the end? Um, first, Hillary moved to um, the closest to and Canada, Canada yeah. and she stayed yeah. in the group. Yeah. Even for rehearsals, she was here all the time. It yeah, was she like was, she wasn't really in Canada. Like when people move to Canada, uh-huh. per se, uh, it becomes very difficult to maintain a tie to here. Um, but I think she did an awesome job of, of doing that. She was very visible, with, mm-hmm. uh, especially with social media, yeah. uh, for the team uh, and just making all the shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some people in town that Yeah, there were people that, that couldn't even make it as much as her in Davender. Yeah. She was always... And the group ending was also like, Hillary, you live in Canada now. Get a Canada life. We need you to have time for a Canada life. And yeah. others of us have rehearsals with other groups yeah. and other theaters and uh, straight theater and all things. And yeah. you don't have time if you're always on a train to get a Canada team. Before we get to the end of Davinger, um, well, first of all, within this time, you guys were... For the Without Award, you got the Best New Act. Yeah. Yeah, so that's nice. Uh, audience uh, or public vote, so that's cool. Um, but ha- <clears throat> how would you say the team changed or morphed uh, between the uh, coaching of Maggie to the coaching of Nick? Um, I think most of the changes were already happening for the improv um i think nick gave us um just a lot of fun that was theater based and weird pig iron crap (laughs) um uh, that like is not exactly improv that helps with acting that helps with just creating pig iron is um a school that derives their own theater they take things they make plays but based on the performers that are involved from the ground up so it does have a very improv piece to it um but from a where's my body and how do I feel and touching and rolling on the floor place that Alex Newman never thought about doing in his life. Um, So it was super fun just to be like, I trust all these weirdos so much that I'm going to do this thing that like is the weirdest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So it was cool even to bring us closer together just in the absurdity part of it before we knew that we were all 
separating and exploding to Canada and elsewhere. Um, the shows, I think, um, we, we tried to continue when performing to focus on a lot of the things that we were doing at the end of the time with Maggie, mm -hmm. with like the overall theme of the piece and kind of looking at theme more like playfully and getting out of our heads about like, um, like very, uh, time oriented like second beats and things and story yeah. following stories and things and just going silly which mm -hmm. is really easy to do when you're just like bouncing off walls and stuff like yeah. a bunch of pig iron kids yeah. um so i think it was a progression that just continued um it was the rehearsals that were a little bit more different and i think that helped us more with like just coming together and separating yeah. like feeling that the end was coming and falling in love more <laughs> before we'd yeah. <laughs> separate um which wasn't entirely for the show but obviously sure. informs the show totally <laughs> how was the final show i have no idea <laughs> you know it was all a big yeah. crazy blur um, it was awesome. I loved all of our last shows. Sure. We got super nitpicky and super like trying to be the best ever mm -hmm. that bogs you down and makes you crazy. Sure. Um, and then we were just like, fuck it. Let's yeah. have a ton of fun and just that, hug it out. And that's always fun. <laughs> yeah, that, that sums up, uh, Asteroids, uh, final show too. I mean, we ended... We chose to end with the run of the B movie, and, mm -hmm. and Asteroid ended with uh, uh, everybody but Carolyn, uh, who had dropped off a couple years earlier. But we got everybody back. Bert flew back from yeah. Las Vegas. Canada. Luke came uh, from Canada. <laughs> Luke, Luke uh, drove down from Canada. Uh, and uh, the Friday night show for B movie, two of the best shows they've ever mm -hmm. done. The final show. It's kind of a shit show, um, but it was just the energy of the room. Just like I was at the last Avenger yeah. show, it was very similar. Um, kind you of could do no wrong exactly. in a chaos right. of I just want to do everything right now because I never get to again. <laughs> yeah, at, at that point, the energy of the room is like a class show. Uh, mm -hmm. You're never going to have a show uh, that is as supportive as your class show when you're going through classes mm -hmm. until you make a team. And you're at the last yeah. show. And everyone loves your team yeah. and just yep. no matter what, yeah. I just want to see Kevin be an idiot again. Yeah. I just want to see uh, Alex be a genius again. I yeah. just want it to all explode in my yeah. face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and many of them have now gone on to Canada. Yes. Um, let's move on to, because we're going to be running short on time soon, because you have to get to Trash Island. Woo! Uh, so, Yeah. You are now directing, directing Trash Island. How do you feel about that? Everything. <laughs> it's so hard and easy and awful and wonderful and exhausting. <laughs> Just exhausting, not the other side of that. <laughs> yeah. um, they're so wonderful. They're best friends, and it couldn't have worked out more perfectly with the people and they're so funny yeah 
I love them. I love them so much, and they're so willing to just work and get better. It feels like the beginning of Davinger when, like, we couldn't stop listening to every podcast and watching <laughs> every YouTube video and going to New York to see Harold Knights mm-hmm. and just obsessed with getting better. And they're all so good. As far as the formation, did you have an idea of what you wanted going in or did you did the audition process change for you? Because I had, as far as that story goes, because uh, uh, I didn't create the future. I, mm. I'm just speaking from my the team I did create. Um, I had an idea of what I wanted to do, but then when I got the team on its feet, I was like, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so did you, what did you have? I had... I tried not to have too much of an idea. I kind of just, I didn't know what to expect at all. Every time more people signed up for these auditions, I got more and more nervous because I wanted the best people. I wanted to make sure I had enough women. I wanted to have diversity and good people that have been around forever and the the shiny new people. And I had so many ideas in my head for creating the team. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to I had like a vision that I wanted to have this team that is like super weird but justifies everything in this weird place and like I had this like paragraph that I wrote about what my team will be and then actually when we started I was kind of like let me just forget that for a minute and make sure everyone can do the Harold and make sure everyone likes each other and make sure we can do this thing Mm -hmm. and I think like now they've kind of come around to like playing to my vision without me like forcing my vision on them too much although I'm sure in notes and things I kind of do Mm -hmm. I I like the stuff that was in line with my vision I think now they're sort of what I thought I'd be creating right away and so now I can but now I'm so much more interested in what they want to do as well because I think they're all freaking geniuses (laughs) Um, that I want to make sure that like the direction we go in is what's going to make all of them happy and stay in love with each other and all too because they're all freaking geniuses Mm -hmm. I love them Uh, (laughs) we have auditions coming up uh next month uh is there any uh, is there any advice that you can give to people as a director because we're going to have new directors mm-hmm. come up uh as, as a director to people auditioning uh and then maybe some quick insight into the casting process because especially when there's a couple teams being cast uh maybe a quick behind the scenes of what yeah. that might look like i i don't think as a performer auditioning, you can really think about the big picture at all. It's like going into a straight theater audition. Like, people know what they want or they're looking for a certain thing or you fit or you don't fit. Bobby and I, apparently, the word on the street is that we had one of the longest most battle-filled sessions of trying to cast these teams. And it wasn't just me and Bobby, like, I want this person, I want this person. It was just, how does it all fit together? Because I could have... There were so many 
great people. Sure. We could have cast so many different teams or teams that look different or teams that were designed to do a different thing. And you have no idea what the directors are going to look for. You just have to play the way you want to play and the way find the things funny that you find funny, follow your fun. And if that's what they want, then you'll end up on a team that you want to be on. Mm -hmm. And if you try to be something that you think that they want, that's not you, then you're going to have a hard time for a bunch of months. So I think for the new directors, God, good luck. Mm -hmm. There's so many freaking good people now and it hurts because you just want them all on your team and that would be awful. (laughs) Uh, I mean, there's so many people, good people, that unfortunately just won't get cast. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll talk quickly about one of them, uh, Melinda Messina. Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, Jacob Todd uh, that I added to study hall. I had them in my head that if they go through auditions and do not get cast, I'm going to pull them Mm -hmm. in the study hall regardless. Uh, I pulled them in the study hall regardless. Uh, Jacob ended up getting cast. Melinda did not. Um, but she could so very easily have been. Yeah. Uh, so it, like you're saying, it's not just about the, the talent that you bring that day. It's about what that director might have in their mm-hmm. head for that team uh, and how you might fit in with the people that they've also mm-hmm. maybe picked. Um, yeah, I don't envy people... Uh, casting teams it's just getting harder and harder too I ugh ouch (laughs) Um, well transitioning quickly because we're going to be ending uh, in a little bit uh, you also do a lot of teaching I do Uh, you've got uh, consistently you've been doing a lot of 201s tons of 201s tons of 201s it's super fun yeah it's such Um, a good spot when everything's clicking and ugh it's so fun. I love a good 201. Uh, we'll keep it short. Um, I feel like this could be a podcast on its own, just talking mm-hmm. about improv theory, uh, but I just enjoy talking about all the different projects you were in. But uh, as people go through your classes, whether it's 101 or 201, what are some quick things that you really try to instill in them um, by the end? Um. On the top of my head is something that was coming from like the last two classes, weeks of 201 that I had, that is just like being a real human being, especially from 101 to 201. I think people get so used to yes and that like they go along with nonsense without Mm -hmm. like being like, you justify that. Like I have like these geniuses doing hilarious things and then someone says something ridiculous and they're just like, yup, don't, 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 don't. And I'm like, no, tell him he's weird. Like you can, you can say why without being like, you're an idiot, you're drunk, you're a moron. You can be like, is that really your reaction? (laughs) Or just have some real reactions. Like, you can I say no in a scene and still agree. And still yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, from 101 to 201, people are so confused about yes and mm-hmm. that I like to use all my acting background and all to make mm-hmm. them 
just act like humans with a positive attitude mm-hmm. toward the scene, yeah. not the other person or the, what's going on, mm-hmm. but a positive attitude about the world that we're creating together. Mm-hmm. And once they get that and they just all start clicking, yeah. they get so happy about everything. Um, I'm very excited about the next, because we change up the curriculum pretty often. Mm-hmm. Um because we have to keep adapting because our mm-hmm. students are getting so much better so much faster mm-hmm. uh, in the in the old days uh, people could see shows two weeks out of a month mm-hmm. people can see shows almost every single night of the week now I had to create sideshow years ago because there was nothing to see uh, now there's not just fit shows happening but there's mm-hmm. figment shows happening there's end crowd shows happening comedy sports uh, grape room brewery, brewery. And, uh, so many yeah. different things happening so it's people seeing class or, or taking class doing the practice groups that we offer uh, and then seeing shows any number of places mm-hmm. and then seeing those concepts sink in faster and faster so we have to keep yeah. adapting and and kind of strengthening and tightening up and I'm I'm already working on it uh, and we'll be calling a meeting soon for instructors uh, to go Mom. over some things <laughs> but it's exciting things because it's really looking at the next version of mm. what is going to make people even better, which will make those auditions next year that much worse for the directors. <laughs> good uh, luck, guys. Yeah, good luck then. <laughs> um, but speaking of class, I recently took a, a class, a 101 class at, at UCB. Yes. Um, do you ever think about getting back into something I like really that? I really want to. I need some free time somehow. Yeah. Um, but I definitely want to like go to Canada for, <laughs> for a weekend. When I took my UCB classes, I was, it was Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go take the Bolt bus and do that. And I would love to do that again. Yeah. I um, felt- there's just time <laughs> i did work i've done a lot of workshops over the years but it was so good to get back into mm-hmm. and I, I made sure like i could have gone to and done a 201 but i wanted to get as the education director i wanted to get the full experience see, it, and see yeah. how they treat uh students and see the whole process and first of all it was good but it made me feel also very good about what we're doing here like really really good um tooting our own horns there but we're doing good burp, shit. Burp. Um, I do want to do a 201, but like I said, it's, it was so good to get just get back into a classroom mm-hmm. again and be pushed, even in a 101, because there's so many simple things that you forget. Yeah. Uh, and then you're performing with 101 people, so you do what you yes. can to make them look good. Uh, I love Dean's List yeah. and improveries, <laughs> which I can talk about real quick if uh, there isn't yeah, time, sure. actually. Um, okay. Just getting to play with people that are all over the place because they're really funny people yeah. <laughs> and they have such joy that yeah. like you forget and they do things that you're like, hey, wait, I was about to call that out as a mistake and I do that and like yeah. we're... And just making things work. Mm-hmm. Um, Improveries is a Facebook group um, of a bunch of women who get together at someone's house generally. Mm-hmm. We had the first one at Caitlin Weigel's and the second one at Meredith Weir's, the third one at my house, and there should be one in October, hopefully, if anyone wants to volunteer, um, where it's just all the women from all the different theaters and experience levels and anything in the area Mm -hmm. who want to come and just 
play. Yeah. Uh, we, ju- we do some short form games and some long form games. And sometimes we accidentally like start a group <laughs> that comes <laughs> from it. Yeah. Um, so you can find that on the interwebs on the Facebook. So if you're a lady if you... and you like making things up, check out Improveries. Uh, well, while we are on that, uh, what else do you have coming up? Um, well, um, Davinger is going to be performing in the uh, Philly Improv Festival. Oh. Um, Rising. Im- Improveries gave birth to a group called Book Club with the amazing Sheila Master that's going to be a superstar someday and everyone needs to pay attention. Um, and some people who haven't performed in a while, um, Kara Schmidt and uh, Janice Savini. And it's just a book club, but we uh, get the book and the author from the audience. Nice. And we have book club. Um, we're doing that at Figment soon. And uh, the end crowd anniversary will mm-hmm. be. I, we're already trying to figure out where that will be and what that will look like. Hopefully, there will be red carpet and cake and a DJ and party time afterward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and lots of Trash Island shows. They're the funniest. Yeah. Everyone should come every Wednesday and laugh at Trash Island. Yeah. Uh, well, Jess, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye, world.